0: Okay, let's go to 2 Samuel. This really works out nicely that we are at this particular chapter as we have Pray for Israel Sunday. 2 Samuel 7 is known as the covenant God made to David. Sometimes you'll see it, the Davidic covenant. Um, an unconditional covenant, like God's love, unconditional Not based on man's performance, based on God. And he'll never fail. Built on the covenant that God made with Abraham, a unilateral covenant, meaning that it was one-sided. It was not Abraham uh, holding up his end, and that's going to be what would be a determining factor for the covenant coming through. No, it was God that symbolically passed through those animal parts in Genesis 15. And... um, uh, the, the burning uh, torch and the smoking furnace and, and it was symbolizing as, as men would make a covenant. The word covenant means to cut, cut the verb. It, it comes from that cut. So they cut these animal parts in, into two parts. And two men, if, if we were entering into a covenant, Brother Carl, you and I would walk through that covenant, or the, those animal parts saying, if I don't hold my end of this up, then may this happen to me. And Brother Carl would be acknowledging, okay, if I don't uphold my end of this covenant, then may this happen to me. Okay. God walked through by himself. Abraham didn't walk through. Abraham watched it. And God was saying, if I don't uphold my end of this covenant, then may this happen to me. And friend, that's never going to happen to God. That's why I love when Brother Smith was praying a moment ago, he prayed, you know, there's a lot of people in Israel that don't know their, their future, but it's already settled how it's going to go. That's a blessing. So we're not entering into this chapter, I wonder what's going to happen to Israel. Actually, we'll read about it. And not just Israel, us too. All right, 2 Samuel 7. All right, best pre-preaching. And it came to pass, verse 1, and it came to pass when the king, that be King David, when the king sat in his house... And the Lord had given him rest round about. Did you notice that? The Lord had given him rest. If Israel was going to have rest, it's got to be God that gives it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor what? In vain that build it. It's got to be God that's building this. And so God gave him rest round about from all his enemies. The king said unto Nathan, the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. A bit presumptuous, perhaps? Uh, Preachers are known to be that way, right? Brother Raz, I remember you preaching this passage, thought a lot about that message, and uh, helpful uh, when God tells us no. Uh, We'll get to that here in just just a moment. I don't remember what you called it, Brother uh, Razberry, but uh, it stood out to me as I studied this again. Nathan had to make a correction here. Verse number four, it says, and it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, shalt thou build me a house for me to dwell in? (laughs) Are you gonna build me a house? Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day. But, what what does it say? But have what? Walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. What did they do? They they lived in a tent. What did God do? He lived in a tent just like they did. Symbolically, the Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Now, where are we at? Verse 7. In all places, all the places wherein I have walked, with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel? Whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me in a house of cedar? What's the answer to that? None. He hadn't said that. Now therefore, verse 8. Now therefore, shalt thou say unto my servant David. Notice that. My servant David. He'd said it back in verse 5, didn't he? Go tell my servant David. Say it to my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts I took thee from the sheepcote, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest. Boy, haven't we seen that to be true in David's life? God's been with him every step of the way. And have cut off all thine enemies, out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, he goes from saying what he has done to what he will do. Look at verse number 10 now. I will appoint a place for my people Israel. I will. And will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own. And move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thine enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. (laughs) David says, I want to build you a house, God. God says, you're not building me a house. I'll build you a house. All right, verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name. Well, that would reference Solomon, no doubt, that Solomon would, the son of David, would build a temple, But it goes beyond that. Notice this, verse 13, the second half of it. I will will establish the throne of his kingdom, what? How long? Forever. Forever. Verse 14 I will be his father, and he shall be my son. You know, that's quoted in Hebrews chapter 1 and verse number 5. I will be his father, and I. I will be his father and he shall be my son. If he commit iniquity, I shall chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. Didn't God do that to all the kings of Israel that got out of line? There's coming one that won't be a problem. Verse number 15. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away from before thee, whom I put away before thee. Notice verse 16, please. And thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established, how long? Forever Forever. and ever. His throne shall be established forever. According to all these words and according to all this vision, so did Nathan speak unto David. Let's read David's initial response, and we'll come to this in another message. But verse number 18, Then went King David in and sat before the Lord and said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that thou hast brought me hitherto? Uh, Tonight, we're going to consider this a place for God's people. A place for God's people. Thank God for when he tells you no. Thank God for the times in which he tells you, no. I thought about it this way too. Plan B is really plan A plus when it's God's plan. (laughs) Plan B, like what you had planned didn't work out, so you're going with plan B. But plan B is actually plan A when it's God's plan. So may God bless the reading of his word if you'll, as you're seated. This is a monumental chapter, quite a passage, quite a passage. <clears throat> We've seen that uh, David has been used by God in many ways, delivering Israel from the Philistines, most recently, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at how that uh, God used David in bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, such a monumental moment there in Israel's history that the, the Ark of the Covenant was now in Jerusalem. Well, uh, hang on, wait a minute. Just that they had Jerusalem is a big deal. The city of David now is going to be known. And, and so all these things have been taking place, and so David has had... Um, seeing God do some miraculous things. So now he is at a point of rest. And, and so the, tent, the temporary tent that he has set up there is housing the Ark of the Covenant. He learned the hard way how to transport it, but now it is there. There's rest. Evidently, there's peace with the, the people that are surrounding the Philistines and, and others that are there uh, that are a threat to Israel. They were at a time of peace. And so David is not one to sit still. And so he's there in his, in his house, and as we read in the Scriptures, it was a house of cedar, and so uh, uh, perhaps the, the wood from Lebanon as had been constructed, and, and uh, David is living in a very nice home. And he thinks about it, and here I am living in this very nice place, and God's presence, symbolized by the Ark of the Covenant, is in curtains. It just doesn't add up. It doesn't make sense. So David has an idea. Um, hey, it's not a bad thing to have ideas. It's not a bad thing to have plans. It's, I, in fact, I think, I think David is to be committed here. He's got a heart for God. He's saying, it's not right that I should, should be in such a nice home and yet the Ark of the Covenant is in intense. I, I want to do something about this. So he called Nathan and the Prophet. We're going to learn a little bit more about Nathan. Nathan was greatly used in David's life. He just kind of shows up on the scene here. He's going to be the one that would confront David about his sin with Bathsheba and, and other things that that God will use in the life of Nathan. And so I'm thankful that David was open to Nathan's influence in his life. He certainly needed that. He needed guidance from the man of God. and so but anyways, he comes to Nathan. And he says, Nathan, here's the situation. I don't know why I'm living like this and the the ark is here under these curtains. And so Nathan says, uh, do what's in your heart. I mean, you've got a right mind about this, Nathan says. And I, I don't know all the ins and outs of it. We do know it wasn't exactly what God had in mind. And so, but Nathan says, you know, this makes sense, David. So do what's in your heart. And he says in verse number three, do all that is in thine heart for the Lord is with thee. And then God speaks to the preacher and says, oh, you're going to have to preach a part two to that and correct what you just preached. So God tells Nathan that, that Nathan, I want you to go and speak to, to David, okay? And, and to explain to him these things. Let's pick it back up in verse number four. Let's just walk through the text here. I think that'll be most advantageous to us. And, but let's acknowledge here up front that there's many times that maybe we have an idea and maybe even think that it's what God would want us to do. But isn't God good to stop us and to redirect our thinking into his thinking? And sometimes I, I just want to thank God for some unanswered prayers in my life. Some things that I had in a, a mind about or some plans or whatever maybe it is in your life. And so God, hey, listen, we're going to see this tonight very, very clearly. God's plans are always better than our plans. So much better. You'll you'll never regret lining up with God's plan in your life rather than whatever it is that you had planned. Okay, it's going to be so far better. And so God tells Nathan so uh, to tell David these things. Now, I'm I'm telling you up front that there's a lot of Scripture that's connected to this covenant that God made with David. I mean, really... uh, a lot of the prophets uh, that we could, I've got several verses. I don't think that we're going to use all of them, but much of the Old Testament is built on what is said right here. And much of what is in the New Testament is built on what is said right here. And much of what is in this passage is not yet fulfilled. Now the Jews, the, Jews, the, the history of the the modern history of Israel is fascinating because of what has been taking place since 1948, certainly, uh, they've been basically in a war for independence since that time. They declared independence uh, there in May of 1948, 75 years ago, and they basically have been in war since that time, virtually. I mean, that's it, just the, the significance of it. I mentioned Brother Raspberry a moment ago, and someday I hope and pray that maybe Brother Raspberry, just throwing an idea out here, Brother Raz, for you to run with publicly, that you might teach a uh, modern history of Israel class at Heartland. I think that'd be fan. We've kind of talked that around a little bit. But I, as we went to Israel, I was just as fired up and excited about seeing modern Israel as I was ancient Israel because of what God is doing there and people coming back to Israel. And so obviously in the late 1800s, the, Jew- the Jewish people were being, were being attacked and mistreated. Anti-Semitism, by the way, is not anything new. Anti-Semitism has been, you know, since basically Cain and, and others and so forth. So anyways, but, um, and so uh, the Jews have been persecuted across the globe. I mean, they were in trouble in, in Poland and in Russia and other places. That's why Jews are located all over the place. 1.6 million Jews in New York City alone. I mean, so there are millions of, of Jews kind of scattered out. And, and so in, in the late 1800s, though, they were trying to, to figure out where they were going to go. Theodore Herzl was the leader of, of Zionism, basically. And, and so there was talk about where should the Jews be located. There was discussion that maybe they would be located in Argentina. Uh, there's a lot of Jews, am I right, down in Argentina. Uh, there was talk that maybe they'd land in Uganda but God's place for Israel is Israel, and so the dream was, and the desire was, is that they go back to their to their homeland, that they go back to Israel, and and thus leading into the 1900s, and and of course the uh, World War II accelerated a lot of that. There's a lot of ups and downs, and 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 some of it. Uh, they weren't allowing even the Jews to go back in the land. I mean, it's a whole big conflict that we don't have a whole lot of time to really go into, but but the Jews needed a place. Well, way back, way back, way back in 2 Samuel chapter number seven, as God is speaking to David, he's saying to David, David, I'm gonna give you a place. And I'm not gonna forget about where I'm gonna have your people. And God is gonna fulfill that. And there's, watch this now, this is life. There's a lot of ups and downs as you follow the Lord. And just because you and I don't know how all this is going to work out does not, friend, mean that it's not going to work out. Because it is God's plan, it is God's covenant, and He He has promised to make this happen. So we're just resting assured tonight that God's going to take care of His people. Now I'm concerned about what's going on, maybe like you are and, and praying for Israel and, and praying that they'd have victory against Hamas and Hezbollah and others that are in the news right now. And, and listen, all this is gonna continue until really Jesus comes again because they're not gonna have total peace until the king of, and the prince of peace is there. And so what we're reading about is yes, in the Old Testament, but I'm telling you, it has everything to do with why we're here tonight and with what God's program is in the world because God, listen, God has not set aside his people Israel. Paul said as much in Romans chapter number eleven, and and Jesus, Jesus was a premillennialist. Amen. Jesus was a pre-tribulationist. as well, while we're at it, but but Jesus believed in a literal kingdom. amillennialism. Okay, what is What are you talking about, Billy? Really? Yeah, that's what you say millennialism. Well, millennialism is about the kingdom being set up, and those that are amillennial look at this covenant and say, well, it is figuratively fulfilled through God's people now, and Jesus is reigning on his throne in heaven. Hey, yes, he is on his throne in heaven, but that does not mean that he's not going to come to the earth and set up a literal kingdom. Israel believed in a literal kingdom. The disciples believed in a literal kingdom. David believed in a literal kingdom. Solomon believed in a literal kingdom. How how far we want to go through this. Jesus taught a literal kingdom. Okay, so we believe in a literal kingdom. That is still yet to come. And it all hinges on 2 Samuel chapter number 7. So God says to David, David, I understand you want to build me a house. Okay, I'm paraphrasing right here. I understand you want to build a house. Have I asked for a house? (laughs) How about this? Isn't this interesting? God is saying, hey, listen, I've lived, I've lived, figuratively speaking here, I've lived in the tent ever since the people of Israel brought them up out of Egypt. That's what he's saying. Okay, let's read the verses here together one more time. Are you ready? Verse number four, how are we doing so far? Okay, now you're going to think maybe I'm not going to get to your life, but I am because the Bible is written for us. Okay, And there's going to be some times in your life when you're, you're not going to see how things are going to work out. And, there, and there's times when a river, you don't know exactly even where the river went because it went underground. But just because, of, hang on, wait just a minute. Just because the river went underground doesn't mean it's not still flowing. Yeah, right. Okay, Remind me to come back to that at the end. Would you do that, Brother Rob? You help me out? Okay, We're going to come back to that thought here at the end. Okay, Because even though a river may not be seen on the right at this point in time, doesn't mean it's not going to come out later on down the stream. Right. Good. Okay, it's still there. Okay, let's look at it. Verse number four. It came to pass that as that night, the Lord spoke to Nathan, verse number five, go tell my servant, thus saith the Lord, shalt thou build me a house? Is this your plan, David? Shalt thou build me a house? I've dwelt since this time. I've brought the children of Egypt out. I've walked in a tent with them in a tabernacle. I'm just kind of hitting the high points here again. Verse number number seven, in all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I word of them asking, you know, why build ye not me a house? Hey, Hey, wait a minute, hang on. As the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were accustomed to seeing all these incredible palaces for these deities, these false gods. God is wanting them to understand very plainly that he is not an idol to be worshiped. And he didn't need an ornate temple in which to be worshipped. Now, now wait a minute, is God worthy of that? Certainly he's worthy of it. But he chose to dwell in the tent to teach them, hey, listen, I'm not like the pagan deities that you came from. And for all this time, I think it ought to be encouraging to us that God has been with his people. God God has been with his people. Let me just stop along the way every now and then, kind of like we're climbing up this big, tall mountain. Maybe like as you go on a road trip sometimes and maybe you're going up uh, Pikes Peak or one of the other mountains there in Colorado and there's all these little turnoffs. Man, you know what what my problem is on those? I wanna stop at every one of them. You know what happens? You never get to the top if you keep pulling off. So that may be how this sermon is gonna go. And I don't mind it because there's a lot of great vantage points to stop off here. One vantage point would be this. Hey, God's with you. God's never leave He's never left you. He's not left you. He never, hey, listen, He never will leave you. If you are His, He will not leave you. He's promised. That's one thing we're gonna see tonight. Is our God is a promise-keeping God. He's faithful, friend. He's faithful. You can trust in Him. And God's saying, Hey, I've never left my people and I'm not planning to anytime soon. I've been with them, I've been with them through the desert, I've been with them through the wilderness. Okay, let's now rejoin in verse number eight. Now, therefore, so shalt thou say unto David, my my servant David, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep goat. Okay, what you have in verse eight and nine is what God did in the past. I took you from the pasture. You are a shepherd. I got to go on a little run this uh, week there in Washington and I ran past this one field and there was all these sheep out there in the pasture and a few goats. And they just looked at me and, bat. I thought, man, oh man, it made me think about David. I mean, there had to be like 50 or 60 of them out there. I don't know, I didn't count them all, but uh, my soul, is very interesting. I thought, man, how humble of a beginning. What, what's your job title? What, um, David, what's your resume for being king? Um, I watched She. You know, God, God doesn't need anybody that's important in their own mind. God will use somebody that's just been faithful to watch some sheep for a good bit. So right now, we're at a little pull-off right here. Every now and then, what you need, well, not every now and then, all the time, what you need to do is just be faithful with what God's given you to do because you never know how God is using that to prepare you for something else. Right. God says, David, listen, I, I took you from watching over sheep and I'm not done with you and I brought you to be the ruler of Israel. What a significant role. But he was faithful first in keeping the sheep. And, and then, verse number nine, it says, I was with thee whithersoever thou wentest. Hey, thank God God didn't give up on David. God didn't give up on David when he went down to Gath when he got around the wrong crowd. God didn't give up on David. God didn't give up on David when he made some really bad decisions. God didn't give up on David even when he was a liar. God was still a truth teller. God, God cared about David. Hey, I'm saying to you tonight, God didn't give it up on you. And God is saying, I was with you wherever you went, and I cut off thine enemies out of thy sight, and made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I, I will appoint. Okay, now we're at the place where God is saying, this is what I have done, David, and this is what I will do. I will appoint, it says, a place for my people Israel. Now, we, we need to understand right now that that land does belong to God, and God has given it to Israel. And so that is plainly right here in this text. It says, and I will plant them that they shall dwell in the place of their own and move no more. Well, I mean, the Jews have been moving around all the time. So some of this is still future and and what God is doing. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them anymore. My soul isn't that taking place right now. Eight million people living in Israel, 200 plus million that live around them that hate them, that have sworn that have sworn to their death 200 million against 808 million rather there's no human explanation for why israel has not yet been wiped off the map but god Amen. the six day war but god yom kippur but god and all the other attacks that they've had, but God. Right now, hey, God's involved. He's not forgotten about his people Israel. Certainly. But there are those right now that are afflicting them. And so verse number 11, since that time that I commanded the judges to be over my people and calls them, hey, hey, hang on, wait a minute, I'm reading too fast. He brought them through the time of the judges. Some moral chaos. Hey, thank God tonight that he can bring you through some times when you've been out of his will morally. And life has gotten really chaotic. Are you listening to me here tonight? And he hasn't given, he didn't give up on his people of Israel at their lowest point. And God doesn't give up on you when you're at your lowest point. Amen. Amen. Man, I want to, I just want to praise God here tonight because I, I was with a gentleman uh, this week. We had lunch with him. He's been 14 years clean from drugs and alcohol hard drugs he was doing. He did some time and, and, and now he's leading the children's program. Hey, don't tell me there's not a God that can't work in somebody's life. Here's a man that was, that was, uh, that was doing drugs and his life was messed up. And, and now God's given him the, the ability. He's got a dynamic personality and he, he, he has his full-time job Is he runs a place that, um, that like has an indoor uh, mini golf uh, place, but also he does like birthday parties for kids, twisting balloons. And I've seen some of his stuff. He's really good. Well, he used to be really good at rolling joints, but now he can twist balloons because God intervened in this man's life. And he's been through some really low points he shared with me. But through, oh, mercy. Through it all, God's been faithful to him. That's what, David's, that's what God is saying to David. David, I was with Israel in their lowest point. I just hope that'd be an encouragement to somebody here tonight that might be at a pretty low point in your life, that God is with you in those low times too. In your low times, if you listening to me here tonight, he's not ridden you off just cause you messed up. He's not done with you, friend. I mean, to talk about the love of God here tonight, if every one of us took up pen along with the rest of the inhabitants of the earth, we'd drain the ocean dry cause his love doesn't run out. Mercy. Amen. All right, now where are we at? Yep, there we are. Okay, verse 11, I cause thee to rest from all thine enemies also Lord telleth thee that I will make thee and I will make thee an house. <laughs> I'm going to make you a house, David. Not stick and brick. Not not a palace, I'm going to make thee a house. The idea here is I'm going to make you a royal dynasty. Okay, we use the word house in a couple different ways. David had the idea, I'm going to build a physical building, which he set aside funds for, and he collected material for, and Solomon literally built the temple. We understand that. But, but here God is saying, you wanted to build me a physical house, I'm going to build you a, a dynasty, a royal dynasty, a house that will not be cut off. Man, this goes all the way back to Genesis. As God said, the scepter shall not depart from Judah. David is from Judah. As where Saul was cut short as the king of Israel, God is saying to David, David, I will not change dynasties. I will not change the royal line. It's always gonna be through Judah. I'm gonna be faithful to you, David even when you're not faithful to me. God's not changed his mind still. You say, I'm seeing some problems with this because there's no king in Israel right now. That's all right. He's coming. And he's from Judah. And his name is Jesus. He was born of a virgin. And he's of the seed of David. In fact, as he showed up on the earth, a lot of people said, thou son of David! David! Thou son of David, have mercy on me. He's coming. It's all right. We don't have to be alarmed. It's okay. He's on the way. I don't know when, but if it's a thousand years from now, he's still coming. Still coming. He's still in charge. No panic in heaven, just plans. Yeah. All right. Let's look at it a little bit more here. Man, look. When thy days, okay, look at verse number 12. Okay, so, so, oh, mercy. When thy days shall be fulfilled, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. You know what he's saying right there? He's not, he's saying this, David, you're gonna die, but I'm gonna be faithful to the plan, the covenant. Hey, hey, death will not end God's covenant. The death of David did not end it. The death of Solomon did not end it. The death of Rehoboam did not end it. All the kings of Judah, their deaths did not end it. To the very last king of Israel and Judah, it did not end it. It's still going on. You say, but, 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 Brother Gaddis, there's no king on the throne in Jerusalem. There's chaos in Jerusalem. There's missiles going in Jerusalem. There's tunnels that are going out of Israel and terrorists are utilizing those tunnels. Brother Gaddis, there's such chaos in Israel. Uh, actually, there's, there's no panic. There's just plans in heaven because God's working out his plan. He knows what he's doing. Okay, so let's keep reading on here. He says, uh, you're going to die, and I'll set up thy seat after thee. Verse 12 is where we are now, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. And he shall build a house for my name. Now, it, no doubt, it, it very well would be the temple, no doubt, that would be in mind there. But, but he shall build a house. There's, there's also this, this uh, royal dynasty that's going to keep going. Which, by the way, in those oriental times, in those ancient days, in fact, just all you got to do is just look at the house of Saul and Ishbosheth, And you can see in a hurry that those kings were were in a terrible situation. In fact, uh, I believe it was Shakespeare who said this. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. Uneasy lies the head that wears the crown. In other words, if you're a king, you don't sleep well at night because you're wondering about who's going to come in and take over your kingdom. Okay, unless you're the son of David who doesn't have to worry about it. Okay, so let's, let's keep going here a little bit further. We doing okay tonight? Everybody, Amen. am I enjoying this all by myself? Is anybody else in here enjoying this? Because this is good stuff right here, I'm telling you. Okay, so look what else he says. He says, he shall build a house for my name, and I shall establish the throne of his kingdom forever. You might find Luke 1 here in just a second, okay? I want you to see this in Luke, Luke chapter number 1. Um, he says... Um, he says, I will establish his kingdom forever and I will be his father and he shall be my son. Okay, God says, I'll be his father and he'll be my son. Okay, and he says, if he commit iniquity, I'll chasten him. Boy, didn't God do that with Solomon? Didn't God do that with uh, Rehoboam? Didn't God do that with all the other kings, including uh, Jeroboam and others, or, or uh, Jehoshaphat rather? That that was uh, uh, overall a good king, and yet he did wrong along the way. God chasing him along the way. Okay, I want you to see in Luke, Luke chapter one. Would you would you turn there, Luke chapter one? I want you to see this in verse number thirty one. Okay, God's saying, I'll establish his kingdom forever. I'll be his father and he'll be my son. Now, verse number 14 about iniquity, that doesn't apply to the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't fit him. My mercy, oh, we gotta come back to verse 15. Don't let me forget that. Verse number 16, thine house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Hey, look at, look at Luke chapter number one and verse number 31. Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be what? great and shall be called the son of the highest and the lord god shall give unto him the what the throne of his father david and his reign over the house of jacob forever and of his kingdom friend of his kingdom there shall be no end there it is god is going to be faithful to the covenant that he made with david He's saying, David, listen. They're going to come kings, and they're, they're of your bowels, of your lineage, and they're going to sit on the throne, and they're going to die. And then another king's going to come, and he's going to die, and it's going to go through this whole process. And they may sin. Listen, the covenant may be threatened by death. The covenant may be threatened by sin. The covenant may be threatened by time. But sin and death and time are no match for our great God in heaven, who sits upon his throne, and he brought Jesus to this earth to live and die for our sins, and he went back to heaven. The friend, listen, he left us with this promise. I'm coming again. Amen. And when he comes, he sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem, a literal kingdom, and he'll rule and reign forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Just because a river goes under the ground for a while does not mean it's not there. We had the privilege to go in Oregon up to, uh, crater lake and up in crater lake you have a lot of uh, the volcano as they made the, the the lava tubes and such and so literally what happens is this river is flowing and all of a sudden it's gone where'd the river go who took it <laughs> where'd it go where'd the river go well there's a little pull-off place and then there's the river is coming back up out and then it runs for a little while and then it goes underground and then it pops back out. Pretty awesome to see, actually. Amen. You, you know what the lineage of the tribe of Judah is a lot like? Yeah. Just like that. How that now the, the king and the king that's sitting on the throne has it's been underground. There's no king in Israel right now. He's seated upon that throne. Yeah, exactly. But he's got to come back out <laughs> and sit upon the throne in Jerusalem. So just because water, you can't see it at the time, doesn't mean that it's not there. Look at verse 15. Verse number 15 says this, my mercy shall not depart away from him. I want you to understand this. It's the word mercy. It's the word hesed. It's used 255 times, I believe it is, in the Bible. We're going to look at only 250 of them. Just kidding. Hesed. You know how else it shows up in your Bible? Loving kindness. God's loving kindness. His mercy. His loving ways. Um, the truth of the Lord endureth forever. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. That's the idea. The word mercy is used so often. Psalm 136 uses it 26 times. The mercy of the Lord endureth forever. 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 The the Lord endureth forever. And the word mercy there is the same word that we have right here, mercy. His, in fact, um, I had a Hebrew professor and he did his whole thesis on one word, hesed. However long it was. And he analyzed every time that word is used. And it basically means this. God is faithful to his covenant. That means this. God will never break his promise. Never break it. Oh, it's going to go through some rough times. There'll be some tough days for Israel. But the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of the Lord and Christ. I love where Nebuchadnezzar um, has this dream. Head of gold, arms of silver, thighs of brass, legs of iron, feet, part iron, part clay. Gold, silver, brass, iron, strong. But if it's mingled with part iron and part clay, It's got a wobbly foundation. Nebuchadnezzar was troubled in his dream because also in that dream, there was a rock that came up out of the mountain. It was not cut by hands. It just came out of the mountain and it came down and the rock of ages smashed into the multi-metallic man. And then that rock began to grow and it filled the whole earth. Nebuchadnezzar wanted to know because remember, uneasy lies the head that wears a crown. And Daniel said, thou, O king, art the head of gold, Babylon. In one dream, God gave him a whole world history. Thou art Babylon, but after you will be Medo-Persia, the silver, and after you would come the thighs of brass, because Alexander the Great would move with great speed as he would move across, and Greece would, would take the land and set up the Grecian Empire. And then after that, the legs of iron, east and west, Rome. Then there's the 10 toes and the feet mingled with iron and mingled with clay, probably that European, uh, correlation that is built up and that goes all the way to the end because then our Lord and Savior comes and smashes into the kingdoms of this world and sets up his kingdom and his kingdom is an eternal kingdom. It's in, Deuter- in, in Daniel chapter number 2 and verse number 44 that his kingdom will be forever and ever and the same thing in Daniel chapter number f- 7 with the beasts that come up out of, the, out of the sea of humanity but Christ would set up his kingdom and his kingdom would be forever and ever. Revelation chapter 11. His kingdom shall be forever Luke chapter one, his kingdom shall be forever. Hey friend, God's not panicking in heaven. He's in charge. It's a terrible storm one night as this train was making its way back in the days when more people traveled by train. This little boy was asleep in the midst of that train and and everybody was astounded that he was asleep while this terrible storm was taking place and somebody gently woke him and said, little boy, aren't you afraid with the storm that's going on? He said, I'm not scared. My daddy's the engineer. I know he's in charge. Hey, listen, these are troubling times, but we don't have to be afraid. Our heavenly father is the engineer and he's constructed world history, knows the end from the beginning and all in between. And listen, friend, he knows what's going on in your life and he knows your ups and he knows your downs. He knows how far away you are from him and his love doesn't vary towards you. He knew, he knows what you've did this week and he knows that it seems like that he, your hope is gone. It's almost like the river has disappeared. Where'd it go? But I'm telling you, friend, listen, his river of love is still flowing towards you and he's still sufficient for you and he won't break his promise to you. And he said he'd never leave you and he said he'd forgive you and he said he'd be with you and he said he'd be enough hey listen if he's keeping the promise to David he'll keep his promises to you he's a covenant faithful God we can trust him even in the dark days and that's what God told David David said I've got an idea I want to build God a house God says I've got a better idea I'm going to build you a house. (laughs) You may say, man, I had some ideas about how I thought life was going to go and not one of them worked out. (laughs) You know what's awesome about that? When God tells you no, he's got a greater yes. Say, man, it didn't work out with this girl. That's all right. God's got somebody else playing for you. Don't worry about it. Hello. Hello. It didn't work out with this job or it didn't work out with this career. It didn't work out with this. It didn't work out with that. Hey, wait a minute. Well, if that's God telling you no, then you just wait because God knows. And God's plans are always better than our plans. All we need to do is just turn our eyes upon him because his plans are greater than our plans. I'm telling you young people, listen, don't, don't go with your plans on life because yours, yours are like um, weak, Short-lived. And, and your plans, adults, our plans, listen, our plans are, are, are feeble and frail. But his plans are solid and wise and all-loving and powerful. God knows what's best for you. And when he tells you no, you just need to trust him and wait on him and go with it. I, I love it that it didn't say that David sat down and whined. No, he sat down and said, who am I? that God would care so much for me. Let's stand together here tonight. God cares that much for you. Maybe tonight you've been disappointed. One man said this, your disappointments are his appointments. In other words, don't don't think that God doesn't work things out. His, your, as his servants, we should not be distraught. You know, even Paul. Paul said, Lord, should I go this way? Should I go this way? Acts 16. And God told him no, and God told him no, and God told him no. But then when he said, go this way, and God told him yes. The Macedonian call and the gospel moved to the west. You see, when God tells you no, he's got some greater yeses. Amen. And you've got to trust him. You've got to trust him. Heavenly Father, thank you. For telling us no you know best you're our Heavenly Father you know what's best for us God um, and you know what's best for Israel and right now it's tough for us watching the news and seeing some of the things going on there but I, I don't doubt for one second your love for Israel it's so evident in scriptures so evident in world history you know what you're doing and today we do pray for Israel as you instructed us to pray for Israel and for the peace of Jerusalem we say with John even so come Lord Jesus but until that time Lord if you Terry you're coming then you've given us things to do and it may be that someone here is maybe face some type of a disappointment I pray that Lord you would help them just to trust you it may be that they're at one of those points like you described in your word here some low points God would we'll just show them your faithfulness, your loving kindness that does not vary with time, or the passing of a loved one, or or anything of that nature. God, you're just faithful, and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, Amen.